Hello and welcome to Broads You Should Know, the podcast about amazing and noteworthy women from history. I am Chloe Skye. I'm Sarah Gorski. And I'm Jupiter F. Stone. And today I am bringing you a super amazing broad named Audrey Lord. Yes! What? Oh my god, you're doing Audrey Lord. I am doing Audrey Lord. Ah! Oh my gosh, I've been wanting to learn more about her. She's been on my list, and you're doing her finally. Oh I'm doing gosh. her. I'm doing her today. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, if Sarah likes her, my my assumption is she murdered people <laughs> or is really like why really you, outwardly. Why do you think I only like murderers? murderers. I, I mean, <laughs> Olga of Kiev, just like as an audience member, really stands out to me as one of those episodes, you know? I know I freaking love it. I fall asleep watching Deadly Women, okay? I'm about it. It's one of the reasons why I tune in. I know. Don't change. <laughs> I was all about Julia Tofana, too. But I, I like non murderesses, too. Right. Audrey Lord is not. Audrey Lord is not a murderess. Oh, she's not. She is not. No. She self. She self identifies as a black lesbian mother warrior poet. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And Jupiter, she, I think you've probably heard her quoted probably a million times and just didn't know it was definitely. her. She is a yeah. very famous black voice. She's I'm she's ready. probably best known for writing the essay. Uh, the master's tools will not tear down the master's house. Oh yeah, that was in Lovecraft Country. Right, that's where I learned about that. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's all coming back. But okay. she's she's a she's a big famous poet. Uh, but I I say you know I use her self identified description there, black lesbian mother warrior poet, because her big thing, her big push, is we contain multitudes. We are she she sort of not only are we as a culture intersectional but we are as people intersectional intersectional and another intersectional broad oh my god i love it <laughs> oh yeah oh broad. yeah she she sort of introduced the concept of intersectionality and like went out of her way to educate other black women or other white women about the concept of like hey just because we have different problems doesn't mean we're not fighting the same fight and if we reserve our anger i'll get to like some of her good quotes about it but like her whole thing is you can't identify any of us by one thing and so i am black lesbian mother warrior poet yo i'm about it she was born Audrey with a with a Y at the end on February eighteenth, nineteen thirty four. She's she's known as being Audrey without the Y, um, but she was born with the Y, and she was born to Frederick Byron Lord and Linda Belmar Lord, immigrants from Barbados and Grenada. Mm. Um, it was a source of pride in her her mom's side of the family that their daughter was light skinned enough to pass for Spanish. Uh, and they really didn't like that her husband was darker skinned. Wow. Whoa. I get that. Yeah, That's a real thing. It's a real thing. Yeah. Um, Audrey was so nearsighted that she was considered legally blind, but Whoa. she was able to learn to read and write at age four while she was also learning to speak. I realize that's like kind of late, like age four, but I think part of that is because she was so nearsighted. Mm -hmm. Wow. She was the youngest of three daughters and did. she says she did not have a great relationship with her parents. Uh, they were mostly primarily focused on maintaining their real estate business in the wake of the Great Depression. And so they just weren't around very much. Wow. And yeah, when they sense. when they were around, she says they were cold and emotionally distant, especially oh. her mother, who she said had a profound mistrust of anyone who had darker skin than her, and she had darker skin than her mom. So that's so interesting. Oh my god! Like, what is that like? We, 
That's like wow. black racism, black on black racism, right? Yeah, like, absolutely. In some form, or what? Do you, is there another term for that? I mean, I, I just racism, I guess. I mean, because it is still like color, skin, pigment, like yeah. the, the levels. Of it's melanin. just like white supremacy got to you too. Yeah. Well, it's like my grandparents. Like lighter is better. My grandparents on my mom's side were like mostly like French, Italian, and and whatnot. Like they're like the grandparents in the family. Like they really fucked with us because they thought that we were like their little mixed Hawaiian babies because we were like living in Hawaii. But uh-huh. then when they found out that like no, we're not this color because we're Hawaiian. We live in Hawaii, but our father's actually black. It was like, done, huh. cut off. So it's so wow. interesting how sometimes it is about like the shades and sometimes it's about like what yeah. builds up. I mean, the shade. same, I and mean, we talked about this before, but the same is true in Mexican culture too. Like that like indigenous, darker skinned Mexicans are like considered like a class lower than like the lighter skinned. Like, in, like, like, like even in like soap true. operas and stuff. It right. comes from colonialism. Yeah, though, I feel like none of that was true before colonization. Right, which is so fucked up. And it's like, we talk about it, right? Like that, I mean, I think intersectionality, which is like, hold on, who are you really upset about? Like, why are we fighting with one another when we both have like the same things? Like, why do black people feel this way about their skin and Mexican culture like, feel that way about their skin? Like, who told us to do this? Oh, the white man. Right. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Colonialism's the fucking worst. It really is. I mean, I think it really actually is. Like yeah. when you think about what the actual worst thing yeah. is. Yeah. No, totally. it's the root of, of a significant amount of all of the world's problems is colonialism. Yeah. If right. not and, all. And the reason the reason that people think colonialism is okay is usually because of religion. Yeah. And they're benefiting so, off of it. So I don't know, I feel like religion is even worse, but yeah, maybe that's just me. So many, so many C's. All the C's. Capitalism, <laughs> colonialism. Okay, but Audrey, let's go back to Audrey because she's yeah, Audrey, back to such Audrey. A badass, despite that yes. weird family shit. Yeah, yeah. So she she says that um, many of her later poems dealt with her dynamic with her mother and the quote tough love she was trained to accept. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, so. I'm sorry. I know we're just trying to get back on track, but I feel like this is so important because that's not talked about a lot. Like people don't talk about the like strain within their family. Like you're always taught to like honor your mother and father and like respect your elders. So the fact that she's like, no, it was it was hard, and I'm gonna talk about it. I think like as someone who's trying to do that right now in like this day and age, that's like really inspiring, and yeah. I think took like a lot of strength and self awareness. I'm fairly certain Audrey is gonna be like one of your all time favorite bras. <laughs> all right, so. okay. I'll let you keep going. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm just finding out what everybody else already knows. Right. Okay, cool. Thank you, Hawaii <laughs> education system. You fucks. All right, let's no, go. No, no, I didn't learn. No, I didn't learn about Audrey Lord in school. Yeah, yeah no, that's, that's, been, that's my no. like post school. Yeah, yeah, that's they, been part of my not like, Black Lives Matter her. education. Actually, is yeah, where the real education happens after school. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So. While she was still a child, she chose to drop the Y from the end of her name because she says she was more interested in the artistic symmetry of having both her first and last names end with an E. Oh my god, I love that. You better change your name for poetic cause. Wait, me? Me? Or all of us? Everyone. Everyone. Anyone. So I'd be like Um, Sarai? Sari? if, If you want. Ooh, Chloe, you, you already e have. Do you add an E, Chloe? Sarah e Gorski. Chloe I have an E at the end. It's not. It's just the one E. Jupiter E. But, but Chloe and Sky both end with an E. A. So poetic. You know. <laughs> <laughs> poetic AF. Uh, actually, so does Jade. All three of my wow. names end with an E. I like an E at the end. Yeah, you <laughs> Look do. Look at me. <laughs> Maybe Audrey Lord's your sister. 
Maybe she is. Sister from another mister. Okay, keep going. Jupiter's in suspense. Jupiter, <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, Stop reading I'm, not, I'm looking at Sarah. Okay, good. Jeez. <laughs> Who happens to be next in the notes? That's not my fault. <laughs> so she was not great at communication growing up and was only able to express concepts and emotions through poetry. Oh. So she, when she was young, she would just memorize every poem she could get her hands on. And eventually she described herself as, at this time, thinking in poetry. Like, if she, if someone asked her how she was feeling, she would respond using a poem that had the feeling that she was feeling. That is amazing. And she'd just recite the poem. Like, how are you feeling today? In, uh, in blue skies, October, sky, whatever. Like, she'd just recite a poem, and that was her answer. Oh my gosh! How unique and beautiful. I know. What a skill. This is like a total non sequitur, but you know what what the first thing I thought of when you said that was, because I know you're a Star Trek fan too, Chloe. (laughs) Well, (laughs) working on it. Well, definitely pays attention. Wait, how far in TNG are you? I'm only like five episodes in, but at this point, it just feels like a colonialist's wet dream of a future. It is. It is. So I was going to ask if you had watched the Darmok episode. I have not. I don't know what a Darmok is. Ugh. Never mind. Never mind. Okay. It's, basically, it's basically like an alien culture they encounter that doesn't, they don't have like a word for word matchup. They tell all their story. They, 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 their language is based on allegory. So everything they say mm. is like an allegory. And that's what that reminded me of is like replying with okay. a poem to describe a feeling. Interesting. Okay, I can look forward to that now. I'll have, I might, I might get back <laughs> into the show. Yeah, it'll get, Honestly, you could just skip to, to that, that episode. Honestly, don't. I mean, okay. those first few seasons cool. are so rough, Chloe. I'm not even going to try to defend them. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's real bad. I know. They are. I'm um, not going to defend them. All even right. though I love to make it through. <laughs> so. Okay. Um, Audrey Lord. By age 12, Audrey was unable to find poetry that matched her feelings, so she started writing her own. Ugh. Hell yeah. Uh, uh, right? Yeah. How cool. So while she was in high school, she went to Hunter College High School, which was a secondary school for gifted students. She submitted one of her poems to the school's literary journal, but it was rejected for being, quote, inappropriate. She did not take no for an answer, though, and submitted the poem to Seventeen Magazine, where it was published. Oh, my God. She got While she was public. still in high school. <laughs> yeah. As a high schooler. As yeah. a high schooler. So the school paper turned her down, but Seventeen Magazine was like, oh, that's good. Exactly. Yeah, boom. <laughs> Show it. U seventeen, girl. Go ahead. Uh, so after she graduated high school, and after the death of her best friend, uh, I couldn't find how she died. Uh, she chose to leave her home and was estranged from her family from then on. Oh. Well, that's yeah. not entirely unexpected, based on what you've already told us right. about her family. Right. But she was just like, you know what? I'm not even going to deal with this. I'm just going to go be off on my own. And I think that's a valid path. Sometimes you got to heal by cutting off the the source of the pain. Yeah. In 1954, she spends a year at the National University of Mexico, which she describes as a time of affirmation and renewal. She says there she was able to confirm her identity as both a lesbian and a poet. Mm. Uh, Then she comes back and she goes to Hunter College for library science. She wants to be a librarian. And she supported herself and paid her way through school doing odd jobs like factory worker, ghostwriter, x-ray technician, social worker, and medical clerk. Oh my gosh, I love nice. this. And, and during this time, she becomes active in gay culture in, the, in Greenwich Village. Mm. Ooh! That's the spot. That's the, that's the, that's the gay spot, right? <laughs> yep. So she just, she gets, she gets in there and she starts hanging out with the other gays. Doing a damn thing. Yep. 
I After love graduating in 1959, she moves to Stamford, Connecticut, uh, and she earns her master's degree in library science from Columbia in 1961. Library science. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I always find that fascinating. Like librarians, you know, it's like you just love all the shit. You just love organizing like, you love knowledge. All the shit. It, organizing knowledge. That's what you like. That's so beautiful. Where yeah. do librarians get to go now? You know, I mean, there's post. still libraries, but you know, they're not what they were. <gasps> Actually, a lot so of libraries amazing. have digital. A lot of them have shifted to. They were already sort of shifted into the digital space, but now they do offer do like interlibrary loans and digital hmm. rentals and like I think they they're doing curbside pickup and shit right now in the pandemic. Oh, I love that. I good survive. <laughs> we need you. I want you. Keep going. Yeah. Yes. In 1962, she's 28. She marries a white gay man named Edwin Rollins. <gasps> They had two children together, and they both continued to have relationships outside of the marriage. I fucking this love it. Audrey, this is amazing. This is amazing. Yeah, Audrey, oh Audrey Lord said, any consideration of marriage was not antithetical to loving women. Mm. Which is like one of my favorite quotes. But and the outside but all marriage the boundaries. Is, marriage is its own thing. Relationships are a different thing. Yes. It's and, what it is. Oh, and to, to, I mean, but I bet, like, at that time, like, seeing, uh, how would, like, where do you live? Like, your neighbors? Like, 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 how do people, like, how do you rise in the ranks as this person and, like, respected when you're living a lifestyle that's so alternative to that of, like, your peers right. and people who be considered your, like, superiors? I like, mean, I you're think really she surrounded living. herself with other people that were like-minded, I think. And, like, um, I mean, that was, because in that time period too like i think uh, like gay adoption was not like a thing that happened often so i actually think like a lot of women who identified as lesbians ended up like having children that way and having like gay dads or whatever because they wanted to have kids but like the u.s laws and stuff wouldn't let you like try to have a kid with your lesbian partner right so mm-hmm. this is a way to do it right, right. it's like i'll follow your exactly, rules and yeah. still live the life that i want to live right that's exactly. amazing yeah, More exactly. examples of this, please. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so by 1968, she is a writer-in-residence at Tougaloo College in Mississippi. Uh, this was also a formative time in her life, as she was able to interact with young, passionate black students who wanted to discuss and fight against racism and who were active in the civil rights movement. Uh, she said being there and being surrounded by this young energy like really energized her to continue the fight, and it reaffirmed her desire to live her, quote, crazy and queer end quote lifestyle Mm. um this is also where she met francis clayton uh a white female psychology professor and the two began a romantic relationship that lasted for the rest of her life beautiful 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 beautiful. wait 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 but did she get divorced first yeah two well two years after they start their relationship she does end up getting divorced from edwin uh and she she pretty much doesn't speak about him again after that like (laughs) Wow. So it we just assume like, it ended seasons. poorly and they weren't friends anymore after? I mean, maybe they still talked here and there, but I, I, I don't think it ended poorly. I think it was more just like, we. this was a marriage of convenience. We both wanted to live our life and we wanted to look like we were following the rules. Mm-hmm. And now I found this woman I love and maybe he found a man. I don't know. I didn't look into what he yeah. did afterwards. It was hmm. like, this This season of my life is now over. Yeah. But it, it, it like she never spoke poorly of him. She just never spoke of him. <laughs> Yo, I'm okay, I'm okay with that. You know? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I was and looking for drama. I always look for the right. drama. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't think that I don't think there necessarily was. I Maybe, can't help it. I don't know why. Right. <laughs> why do I need the drama? 
America, We're you humans. know, we, like... It's, it's, it's what drives us. <laughs> um, so a lot of her work focuses on the concept of the multifaceted self and how that ties into larger forms of oppression. She wrote... Certainly there are very real differences between us, but it is not those differences that separate us, but rather our refusal to recognize those differences. Uh, She says, I am defined as other in every group I'm part of. Yet without community, there is certainly no liberation, no future, only the most vulnerable and temporary armistice between me and my oppression. Mm. 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 All right, so yeah. I'm writing a song right now called I Am Gonna Love My Otherness. It's a working title. Mm-hmm. But I fuck with that so heavy. It's like, you know, there is no winning in that situation. Because it's like, if you are this type of person, there is no box that you can fit in. Right. So what choice do you have but to, like, create your own? But, it's like, rather than, like, create a whole bunch of boxes, mm-hmm. we just go other. And then if we really had to do that, it's kind of like what I feel about, like, LGBTQIA+. X, Y, Z is like, why can't we just face the fact that it's like straight is not the way and then there's all these derivatives and it's actually like a collection of everything. Well, I think that's why there's been this big recent reclamation of the word queer as just like an all encompassing. Are you queer? Great. You're a part of the tapestry of whatever the fuck we all are. Correct. (laughs) Well, it all comes back to, per the usual, the colonial white male patriarchy. Yes, it does. And anything that is not a hetero white male is considered other. So why right, like right. all of our structures are like based around that. So I have to identify as a woman because I am not a man. Right. And I have to like it's all this it's it, you know. Who says white straight man gets to be the default? Right. But it be but it is it's, and you almost have to be like apologetic for anything else that right. it, you were just like born differently. What it should, sounds like she is not. <laughs> right. She said, there's always someone asking you to underline one piece of yourself, whether it's black, woman, mother, dyke, teacher. They want to dismiss everything else. And I think that's that's why I wanted to use all five of her terms at the beginning. Like she identified as all of these things individually and together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And while I was doing my research, I, I found that most of the sources tended to focus on just one thing. And Mm -hmm. so I had to like, I'd go to a poetry website and it would talk about all of her poetry and everything she did with poetry. And then I'd go to like a feminist website and it would just talk about feminism and what she did for feminism. And like, she's even like after her death has been sort of separated out into all these individualized versions of herself, which is, I don't know if it's what she wanted or is the opposite of what she wanted, but it's, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, even, like, look at, like, what, like, Black Lives Matter, like, quoted her a lot. Like, they felt like her quotes floated around a lot, right, mm-hmm. around that time. And they were almost always about her blackness and about blackness, mm-hmm. where she wrote about so many things, not just blackness. Right. And she was a lot, like, it's, it's but you can't, like, separate, I don't know, it's interesting. It's a, it's a piece of it. People compartmentalize and they use what they need for whatever their purposes are when people mm-hmm. are so multifaceted. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like you talking about like how Martin Luther King didn't want to talk about what was going on in Vietnam, like anything that takes away from like the way that it's like considered, like from what I'm beginning to understand, especially talking to like more of my family. It's like if you're not for the black cause, like we don't have time for it. Like you have to fully dedicate to this. And this is what we want to talk about, because unless this, then nothing else matters. And it's so interesting, like we're thinking about like where that comes from and then being able to like actually get stories like, oh, no, 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 like through the civil rights movement, 
like there were people who were for civil rights, but also like international like rights or like gender equality, like all of those things do float into one another. And I think it's like really like dismissive to only focus on one side because when you see how colorful everyone can be, then it's like it gives them more power and more magnitude. Because yeah. it it's like, well, usually if you're like one white dude, you probably have like one type of company or whatever. It's still based upon like the way they live their lives. You know, other people live it much more colorfully and much more full and can be successful in so many different areas. Like, again, Lovecraft Country. I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, she's the one. So like black rights, cool. I uh, Lesbian mother, when you dropped all that, I was like, no, it can't be the same person, but it is. <laughs> it's the same person. <laughs> and we should know that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for bringing all of her things together here on Brunswick. Hey, should know. That's, that's, what, that's what we're here for. Boom. Love it. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can't. Intersectionality is such an important piece of it. I think, like, part of me thinks that. Just just wait until I get to some of these quotes. Though. Okay, all right. Let, I'll, I'll stop. Dive, I'll stop. Yeah. Distracting. We can have a whole ass conversation about uh, it. But she 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 summarizes some shit. All right. Let's okay. um let's just say right now though we're gonna do some sort of broadly speaking episode just about intersectionality where we can all like rap on it. That's a good yeah. That's a good idea. Because it deserves it. a a hefty conversation in this podcast. For sure. Well, I am. Look at me. Yeah. I am personification of this. <laughs> but talk about Audrey. Let's True. get Ivan. She's amazing. All right. <laughs> All right. So in uh, in 1978, she began to fight breast cancer, and she gets a mastectomy and refused to get breast implants, partly because she wants to own her otherness. She says, uh, a prosthesis offers the empty comfort of nobody will know the difference. But it is that very difference that I wish to affirm because I have lived it. Mm. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <sighs> um, yes. And in June 1981, she gives the keynote presentation at the National Women's Studies Association Conference. I read the entire presentation and the whole thing is amazing. And I recommend you look it up. Maybe I'll, I'll probably link to it. Um, yeah, send it to me so I can put it on the website. Oh, for sure. Uh, it's it's incredible and I pulled this one like little paragraph out of it because it kind of is like a summary of the whole thing but she wrote I am a lesbian woman of color whose children eat regularly because I work in a university if their full bellies make me fail to recognize my commonality with a woman of color whose children do not eat because she cannot find work or who has no children because her insides are rotted from home abortions and sterilizations if I fail to recognize the lesbian who chooses not to have children the woman who remains closeted because her homophobic community is her only life support. If I fail to recognize them as other faces of myself, then I am contributing not only to each of their oppressions, but also to my own. And the anger which stands between us then must be used for clarity and mutual empowerment, not for evasion by guilt or for further separation. I am not free while any woman is unfree, even when her shackles are very different from my own. And I am not free as long as one person of color remains chained, nor is any one of you. This this whole speech, like she, most of the people who attended this conference. Wow. Mm-hmm. Chloe, I'm not gonna lie to you. When you read that paragraph, I got really emotional. Oh, me too. I was getting like, what are they called? Goosebumps. Goosebumps. Yeah. Chicken pimples. Chicken pimples. Whatever That's they are. So Ew. Yeah. Goosebumps exactly. Is better. Goosebumps yes. is better. A hundred thousand times yeah. better. Um, but it's so important, and we forget. Like, we pit against each other. You know, I, I can't remember the quote I read recently, but, like, we always, like, p- humans always want to not be at the bottom. So whoever mm-hmm. they can shit on that seems less than them, they're going to do it. Yeah. And, like, it's all about, that's exactly what she's talking about. It's like. Yeah. yeah. Makes me really emotional to hear that. That's a really amazing speech. Her, her poetry is so powerful. I didn't 
bring over any of her poems because I think it's more powerful to like see them and read them and how she breaks it up than to hear it read unless it's being read by her because she knows exactly how she wants to say it. But pretty much all of them made me extremely emotional. Like I couldn't read one of her poems without like some of them made me openly weep. Like it was it. She just has a real power with language. Wow. And I have just so much respect for this woman. I gotta um, read some of her shit. Yeah, oh, it's so good. Besides, like, I've seen, like, many quotes and many pieces, but I haven't, like, sat and read a book of her poetry. So I mm-hmm. obviously, I've got to school myself. I recommend it. Uh, if you are if you weeped, then I probably am going to weep, too. I'm probably... Chloe, I feel like we cry at the same things. I think so, too. <laughs> <Be prepared. laughs> In 1984, she writes the essay, The Master's Tools Will Never Dismantle the Master's House, which many people remember as a critique of white supremacy, but it is also big, not, I almost said bigly. Ah, no! <laughs> I know, no. I know. It is also, it's it's a pointed critique of white feminism. Yes. Saying that white feminism is inherently racist. She argued that their, their brand of feminism was dependent on the patriarchy, and by denying that there were different categories of women, rather than just one overarching group called women, feminists were just passing along old systems of oppression and preventing lack change. She compared white feminists to white slave masters, mm-hmm. and white women did not like that. I bet they did not. They did not like I that. I bet they did not. Karen doesn't like to be called out, all right? right? <laughs> exactly. The same year that she writes this, she starts traveling, and she becomes a visiting professor at the Free University of Berlin, and she, she starts... She sort of launches the Afro-German movement, which is black people in Germany who feel that their rights are not quite the same Mm. and they're very inspired by the civil rights movement in america but she also coins the term afro-german because in germany they're all just called mulatto like kind of regardless they're called like dark-skinned or mulatto and she's like no you need to get rid of these words that are used to disempower you and create a new word that empowers you and so she created the term afro-german and she became a mentor to a number of the leaders of that movement. Uh, wow. There were like six or seven names of like the top leaders who all came to Audre Lorde for their advice. Wow. I was like, well, I'm going to cover all these women one day, too. <laughs> <laughs> all those um, but she taught women? them to fight oppression using words instead of violence. That was her, her big thing. It's like mm-hmm. language is so powerful. You have to use words because words are going to last a lot longer. Yeah. yeah. In the late 80s, she helped form the Sisterhood in Support of Sisters in South Africa to benefit women who'd been victims of apartheid. Yes. Uh, She died of breast cancer, which had metastasized in her liver on November 17th, 1992. Uh, But in in an African naming ceremony shortly before her death, she took the name Gamba Adisa, meaning warrior, she who makes her meaning known. Gamba Adisa. Fuck. I know, right? Yeah, Gamba. Uh, I wanted to end with uh, a brief selection from her poem, A Litany for Survival. Um, I thought it was just like a famous quote that she had, but it's then I was reading through her poetry and I was like, oh, that's that quote. That's the quote I found. So, <laughs> so now I'm going to correctly cite it as Isn't that from exciting the poem, when you find like identify for, oh, yeah. and connect the dots? I love it. Yes. <laughs> so she writes, when we speak, we are afraid our words will not be heard nor welcomed. But when we are silent, we are still afraid. So it is better to speak, remembering we were never meant to survive. Wow. 
Jupiter looks emotional too. Yeah, emotional. leave a leave a moment yeah. for for breathing, for feeling these feelings out. Wow, that's real shit. I, that, that that's real shit. That's like a level of like evolution that you get to. What I, I, at least I feel like when you're like, okay, well, you go through like your anger and your frustration or your fear, and it's like, okay, what am I gonna do? This is who I am. She is this type of person mm-hmm. in this type of world. Mm-hmm. So. Well, so the worst thing that can happen when she speaks is the worst thing that can happen when she's silent. Like, right. There's no safety in being silent, so you might as well use your words. Because it's true, like, they last longer than a bullet. They last longer than a bomb. They can hit harder, too. Yep. That should hit me. You're telling me. <laughs> wow. So that's Audrey Lord. Audrey um, Lord. Thank a you, Audrey multifaceted, Lord. intersectional person. Queen. Queen. Yes. Queen Lord. Warrior. Warrior. Yeah, she's she is amazing, and I was so inspired by this story. I'm so inspired by her story. I gotta go. I already have 65 books on my nightstand, but I guess I gotta buy a book of Audrey Lord poetry and add it to the pile. Yeah, and it's it'll be, it's probably easier to to read like in small bursts rather than like feel like oh I have to finish the whole thing right now because like yeah. her poetry it's not like it's long. No, you know but what's funny? I don't even you. like I can't even read a lot of poetry like. I have to do poetry in small doses because I'm not good at reading poetry. I feel like some people are really good at like sitting with a poetry book and just reading through it. But it's mm-hmm. like harder for me. It takes like, I think I'm stupider or something than some people because <laughs> no, it takes I me a long time that. to like absorb. I'm like, what is the meaning of this? And then I have to read it like five times. And then I'm like, oh, wait, I got it. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I think I, I think, think that's good. I think yeah. it means you're like more intelligence or higher intelligence rather than just like skim through it and be like oh this is kind of what they're talking about because with poetry it's like every word matters mm-hmm. right so i think it's really cool that yeah. you take the time yeah. to go over it i'll have to sit and like analyze poetry yeah which is on it. why i don't read as much of it because it's i like, think it's me work. too because Consuming. it feels like work yeah. it's like i could skim through like you know a murder mystery novel like boom done mm-hmm. but when it's poetry i'm like i have to really invest in here i will say though a lot of audrey lord's poetry is is pretty consumable it's like it flows really well uh there are a few times where i was like oh no i have to i have to sit with these two lines and like really like digest them but for the most part it's like it's pretty clear i'm gonna start (laughs) reading her shit on my tiktok is um so tell me are we feeling like young miss amanda gorman is like the next audrey lord i i don't know who that is the girl who read the poem at the inauguration oh i didn't watch it with the I was scared something might happen, so I was just like, I'll, I'll check out the highlights later. Holy shit! Unplugged. You should look up her video, the, just the video of her doing her poem. Okay, yeah, I'll do that. And then you get back to me, Chloe, and let me know. We'll do. Because we'll it sounds do. like, from like the power poetry perspective, yeah, a hundred percent, yes. Carrying the torch. Power poetry. I like that. Yeah. I like that term. Power, power poetry. <laughs> power poets. I love it. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Broads You Should Know on Audrey Lord. Please give us a review on iTunes. It helps people find the podcast, helps other people learn about these amazing women so that you're not the only one. Don't hog the glory. Um, and head to broadsyoushouldknow.com to check out our database of broads and to submit a potential broad if you think we should cover someone we haven't. And we will be back next week with another broad you should know. <laughs>